Welcome to the Lights Out Podcast. This is Chris Lights Out Lytle, and this is our journey to document the history of mixed martial arts. I've brought with me my friend, the MMA detective, Mike Davis. And together, we will preserve the history and hear some great stories from the world in the era of the no holds barred. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back to the Lights Out MMA History Podcast. I am Joey Venti. With me, the host, the MMA detective, Mike Davis. Our guest today was a Division I wrestler from Ohio State. He's fought everywhere from his hometown to Helsinki in promotions like Strikeforce and the UFC. His career had ups. It had downs. A little controversy. He's agreed to share his story with our audience today. Sean Salmon, thank you for doing this. No, thank you for having me. I enjoy this. All right. So just everybody knows, Joey, line this up. You're going to see him touching his screen a lot. He's going. He's making sure that the, uh, the facts are in order. Following the fights, if we have any questions, we bounce to him. Our producer is Ty Green. And, dude, both those guys make all of this come together. So, Sean Salmon, let's start with the two. First and foremost, what are you doing now? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, I have nothing to plug. Um, actually, yeah, maybe I do. I, I guess uh, I do have what I think is uh, the best job in the world outside of fighting. I found myself uh, working for a scrapyard, MW Metals Group, out of uh, Dayton, Ohio. And I, I absolutely love it. It's yeah. If I if I didn't end up a millionaire from fighting, which I certainly did not, um, this would be the next best. This is for sure the next best thing. Yeah, I don't think uh, I'm not sure many people can say that they have you know through the way of fighting. Let's um, yeah. let's talk about your wrestling. There's actually a couple questions I have in regards to it. You bounced around quite a bit in high school. Um, you started in Michigan. No, and just it, once. Yeah, just, started, just one move. And okay, so you went from Michigan to Ohio, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, what, what uh, Birmingham the, Groves. Take us through uh, it. I started at Birmingham Groves. I started at Birmingham Groves in Michigan. Uh, then my family moved to uh, Worthington, Ohio, uh, after my sophomore year. So I finished. I went two years in Michigan, then the the last two years in Ohio. Okay, in Ohio, and you took state your senior year. Yeah, I was a state champion my senior year. Okay, forty four and one record, and usually in yeah. Ohio, the wrestling's a little different there. The culture, especially in high school, is a little different to where a lot of times, like in the hardened wrestling families, they will hold their student back a year in order to get an extra year of competition in high school. Am I correct on that? I, I've heard about that. I'm not sure it's as, as prevalent or as happens as much as some people think it does, but I have heard of it happening. Um, and I, I will say oh, wrestling in Ohio is a lot different than wrestling in Michigan was. It's just the, the Ohio kids take it to, to another level. Then and and I, it's, it's certainly not to bash Michigan or, or talk badly about their wrestling because Michigan has tough wrestling as well. But I noticed a big difference when when my family moved and it was like oh, it, it was like I'd I'd been knocked down a peg or two. Really? So like in that practice room, we'll talk about your junior year and your adjusting. Then was it difficult? No, because it, wow, that, that that's a really good question because it's making me think a little bit. In hindsight, yes. At the time, I didn't think it was difficult because I love wrestling more than anything else. I mean, so it, it was a new challenge that I was excited about. Like, okay, shit, you're 
you thought you were, I thought I was at one level and my family moved and it turns out I'm just a little bit lower now. Well, that's the answer to everything in wrestling is just work harder. Getting your ass kicked, work harder. Can't make the team, work harder. Can't start, work harder. And so I took it that way. That's true. Your senior year, you go 44 and one, and Ohio State is looking at you. Um, usually, Ohio State, to even get on their radar, one state championship is not enough. What, no, how, do you, I, how do you get their interest? It helped that obviously, I, well, not obviously, I lived in Worthington, Ohio, which is a, a suburb of Columbus, which is where Ohio State's located. Um, I, I guess, in and maybe I'm bragging a little bit. You'd have to ask the coaches what got me noticed. But I, th- I went 44 and one. But I lost that fourth, that first match. That only loss was at a weight class up. The very first match of the season against uh, Zach Thompson, who ended up uh, three-time All-American, national runner-up for Iowa State. He was a two-time third-place finisher at the time, and I thought I could beat him. So I told my coach, I, I, I think I want to start my senior year bumping up a weight class and beating Zach and he beat me, but then 44 matches, I didn't give up a takedown. And then after that, I wrestled. Well, what happened in uh, that match between Zach? I have curiosity. No, uh, he beat me four to three. Oh. He, 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 he got the, he scored a takedown, which was obviously the difference. And, and, you know, and, and I remember at the time people telling me, well, now you got that loss out of the way. And I was like, fuck you. I didn't want a loss. I didn't have anything I needed to get out of the way. I wanted to go undefeated this season. Um, so you go up a weight class, lose four to three against a guy that obviously everybody knew at the time. So immediately, I, I guarantee the following week's rating, rankings, even though you're new to the, you know, the Ohio State program, Ohio program, the in-state program, you're probably top three in your weight class after that performance. Honestly, I have no idea. I didn't follow rankings when I was in <laughs> high school. You know, I in my mind, and and this sounds kind of crazy. In my mind, I knew I was going to be a state champ no matter what, and that that to me, that's just the way it was going to be. Um, so, so then so, I, I went then. Yeah, so I'm so they're a former oh, University of Ohio wrestling coach, Vladimir Anoshenko. He's uh, Matt Vlad Matt Yashakers, Shanko's uh, training partner from the Russian Olympic team. He said the biggest problem in the wrestling community within the United States is that the wrestlers all say, I want to be a state champion. Tori said over an Eastern block, man, state championships are nice, but their focus is much higher than that. And that mindset that you just talked about is what separated you from everybody else. How would you describe your tenure at University of Ohio? Ohio State. Ohio State. I probably both. Dude, dude. No. I'm sorry. Ohio State. I get it. How, would, My, how would you describe that? Um, frustrating. But okay. frustrating because it was my own fault. If I had to do it all over again, I would have went straight to a junior college and learned how to study correctly. I didn't. I graduated high school. Um, well, according to the NCA, because to be eligible, the NCA only takes your core grade point average, which is English, math, science, and social studies. And I graduated with a 2.0 exactly. So then I had to hit a higher level on the ACT just to be eligible. And it took me a couple tries. 
And in hindsight, I should have went to a junior college, learned how to study, learned how to go to class and do that. And when I went to Ohio State, I I didn't know how to study and and I was there focused on wrestling. Um, adding on top of that, I cut to one 167 pounds my true freshman year to make the lineup, which I did. But I mean, it was, and I didn't know how to cut weight properly either and didn't know how to study. So yeah, in, in hindsight, I should have gone to a junior college first. And how long were you there for? Uh, two years. Okay. And then I went to a, a small school in Montana and I lasted six months there. I just, I couldn't handle Montana. I couldn't handle the, the isolation, the winters, and I came back to Ohio State, and they allowed me to come on as a, a volunteer assistant, where basically I, I was with the team every day, and they paid for my freestyle tournaments. Okay. So you were very – you were one of those wrestlers that came into mixed martial arts, like that was – I think I'm not going to say the, car, the red carpet was rolled out for you, but the entire country took note. Was there a lot of pressure for you? No, not at all. And, and, and I don't say that arrogant, but I, I dealt with that when I first signed with the UFC, they were like, Oh, you're going to be in the main event. You're gonna be in the main event. Like, I don't care. I've wrestled in the Olympic trials. You want to talk about main events, you know, obviously the Olympics is the main event, but I was competing for something bigger than a main event. And my goal with mixed martial arts was never to be a main event. It was to be a world champion. Um, All right, so, 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 Joey, when you set this interview up, what were the guidelines that Sean Salmon asked for in regards to our questioning? Oh, no parameters at all. He said, ask whatever you want. Okay, so there's nothing off the table. There's a little bit of controversy. We're 100% going to get to it, but we're breaking the ice right now. And, dude, Sean, your career is incredibly fascinating. I don't think that there is another athlete outside of, like, the beginning UFC guys that like during the totality of their career from their first fight to their last fight was in the UFC. But in the modern era, not many people have careers like yours. And we're, we're going to get into it. Let's talk about your MMA start. Where was it at? Like what gym, who was your coach? (laughs) There was no gym and there was no coach. Um, My, the the assistant coach at Ohio state, uh, Rex Holman, he was getting into to mixed martial arts and he said, Hey, will you train with me? Of course you're Rex Holman. <laughs> Rex has been one of my idols since I was, since I first moved, since I knew of him. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll do. I said, I'll train with you. I'm not doing any of the kicking and punching. I'll do all the ground stuff, all the wrestling, all the conditioning you want. I'm not doing the kicking and punching. Um, well, Mark Coleman, obviously first UFC heavyweight champion, Ohio state national champion. Um, he was putting on shows with a guy named Wes Sims. Also Never heard of him. The UFC. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they called and they said, hey, do you want to fight? I said, no. And they're like, well, we'll pay you this much money. I said, oh, okay, I'll fight. And I don't want to say I had a, a, a negative thought process on, on mixed martial arts, but I, I guess I just, I didn't know that these were real athletes that were friendly. Like with wrestling, you go after each other and you try your best to win and make the other guy lose. And, but you shake hands after and you can be friends if you like each other, but there's usually no hard feelings. So I was like, okay, I got a pregnant wife. I was back in school. 
And I said, okay, I'll take the fight because I needed, I wanted the money. And so I showed you, up to let me let me set the table on this just just so everybody can understand what took place. November 11, 2005, Joey, I was in attendance. Hammer House Cage Fighting Championship. You got a guy named Bull Rider, Rob Wince, yeah. who's who's 13 and 3 as your first opponent. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I I'm not saying I made all the best decisions of my career. Signing up for a main event as your first fight against someone like uh Rob, Rob Wince, Bull Rider isn't the best idea ever. But you know, I, I showed up to weigh-ins the night before and he comes up to me and he's like, Hey, what's up, Sean? Thanks for taking this fight. I, Cause I don't remember. I, I know I took it on a short notice technically. Cause I wasn't, I guess I wasn't the, if I'm remembering right. I, and I could be wrong. I wasn't the first opponent, but it wasn't like short notice, like a week or two. I think I had more time than that to you get three ready. Weeks. So, you had three weeks. Okay. notice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was helping trying to fill the spot actually. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he sh- he came up to me at Wayne's. He's like, "Oh, thanks for taking the fight." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "These guys are pretty cool. They're not dickheads with anger issues." Wow. I was like, "Okay, this is." Got to the got to the venue and and it was the same thing. All the athletes were in the locker rooms talking, hanging out, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "This is." There's a lot of wrestling. Like the just the atmosphere was a lot of wrestling. Which made me feel home, made me feel comfortable, and made me like, oh, sh-. ended up winning by submission. And I, I, if I remember Eli. right, when, yeah, well, no, I knew what it was. I, I'm sorry, I was trying to think. At, when I was being interviewed in the cage, I told my wife I was quitting school and and wanted one year to make a career at fighting. And 11 months later, I signed the UFC. So, in essence, West Sims trying to fill the spot. He goes, yeah, I got a debuter. You know, he says, Sean Salmon. And Sean, I, I, I mean, I didn't know who you were at the time. And I said, well, Wes, you know, where do you think this fight's going to go? And he goes, Rob Wentz is a tough guy because he is. He's legitimately very oh, tough. Yeah. And he said, there's levels to this. He's like, the guy, just the Salmon guy, he's probably getting his hand raised fairly easily. So even though it was your debut, the matchmaking, they kind of understood you were coming in and getting your hand raised. Sometimes that's cool to hear after yeah. the fact. Yeah, I didn't, I guess I, I didn't think of it that way. At this time, Mark Coleman was not sober. No. How was he to deal with at that, at that event? You know what? I, I don't recall dealing with him a whole lot at that event. It was my second fight in Cleveland against uh, I think Jerry, it was Jerry Spiegel. Spiegel. Yeah, the, the punching Mark, bag, Jerry Spiegel. Mark, yeah, Mark Coleman was not sober. And I'm on top of Spiegel and got him in the corner and Coleman's just screaming. And I look up and he's jumping around and he's he's intense. He's He's... He wasn't sober, and and I and let me make a side note here. I think it's amazing that he's sober now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm incredibly proud of him. A lot of people are, but yeah, at that time he was jumping around, losing his mind. I get done with that fight, and it went three rounds. Spiegel's not supposed to make it three rounds, but that was the first time I'd had my hands taped, and they taped my wrists tight as hell, so I wasn't getting blood flow to my hands. I could hardly squeeze my hands together after the fight and I was just exhausted and I went to a corner 
to just catch my breath and Coleman comes. He's in my face. He's like, and that kid like that should never go three rounds with you. I'm like, you're right. Get him back. Let's go again. The fuck am I supposed to say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Jesus, man. I was like, let me catch my breath. We can talk about it. We can talk about it when, <laughs> once I can breathe again and start to move my hands. Sean, at these local mm-hmm. events at the time in Ohio, Coleman, Sims, and Randleman would walk in, and the entire venue would be watching them. Like, they wouldn't be watching what's in the cage. It's watching them walk around. It was, it was pretty I, wild, I, man. I imagine it would still be similar to that today. Yeah. Yeah. So you started with Rex Holdman. And yeah. uh, why did you never go over to Hammer House with Coleman, Brandon Lee Hinkle, Sims, Randleman? Nobody invited me. I, I didn't know where these guys trained. I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I was so new. I, and, and this is kind of a funny story. I was so new. I didn't even have a pair of fight trunks for this fight. I called, I called a full contact fighter. I didn't know anything about it. I just got on the internet, found their, and I got Joe gold on the phone. Had no idea. He was the owner guy talks to me for two hours and I have no idea. He's the owner. I think he's just the, like the operator, like who just, my call went to him ended up talking forever. And he's like, okay. He goes, he goes, I'm not going to pay you any money for this. He goes, but I'll make sure you and your corners are outfitted. It was like less than a week later. I have this monster box, sweatshirts, trunks. I gave away so much stuff. Cause I did, I couldn't wear it all. It's like, man, that's awesome. He just said, he said, just, he goes, all you gotta do, just get, you have to give me a call after the fight. Let me know how it goes. Okay, absolutely. Next day I call him. He goes, he goes, I'm guessing he goes, you called me. So you won. I said, yeah. I said, it was first round. He goes, do you have a, he goes, do you have a manager? I said, a what? What do I need a manager for? He goes, I got this guy, Gary Marino. He goes, I want you to talk to him. I'm like, okay. Have him call me. He goes, okay. He goes, I'll give him your number right now. I'll call you in five minutes. Hang up the phone. I'm on Gary Marino calls me. He's like, hey, he goes, oh, if I sent you a ticket, could, could you come to Boston tomorrow? I'm like, what? He goes, the ultimate fighter tryouts are at uh, Kenny Florian's gym. He goes, let's get you in here. I said, okay, this sounds like I'm going to end up with my head <laughs> in a box. Roped or... in. You got roped <laughs> in. You got one fight underneath your belt. Everybody's tugging at your, uh, your, your shirt tail. Uh, shit, I was, I was just afraid my head was going to end up in a box. I was going to get murdered or something. Like this, I said, on the phone with this guy for five minutes, he's flying me out to Boston. Um, so yeah, there's two days after my fight, I'm, I walk into Kenny Florian's office, uh, Dana White standing there, Stephen Bonner and, uh, Mark Delagrade. And I'm like, what the fuck did I get myself? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I have no business here and I'm not an insecure guy, but I was like, if this is the life I'm trying to go after, I just, I think I found it. (laughs) This is nuts. Yeah, yeah. you re- yeah, your wrestling pedigree. Uh it drew a lot of eyes, man. Like it made national attention right away, your wrestling pedigree. And um Jerry Spiegel, for those that don't know, he's got a terrible record, but he's super hard to finish. And uh, 50 fight club member. After him, you got Brian Zanders, and then you run into a promoter named Corey Fisher. 
That's May 6, 2006 at Fight Fest 3. How was it dealing with Corey Fisher? I, I've heard all the stories, so I think I have an idea where you're going. I never had an issue with him. Either did I. Never once. I, I've not one time. Every, people, everything. People talked a lot of crap about the guy. I never had a problem with him. No, I, everything he told me happened the way it was supposed to. Um, always friendly, always cordial, respectful. And yeah, I've n- I've never had one problem with him. Hmm. So yeah, the, the the stories about him, I can't I can't speak to that. <laughs> yeah, good, I, hey, good. That, then that's weird. We're here to clarify. All right, so the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, I, 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 did did that tryout? How, what happened there? Um, this another funny story. So they just were in this gym and they just start calling guys out two at a time. You're doing jujitsu first. Okay, so they call me and some other guy out. No warm-up, no nothing. You start on your knees. So my, I can't even make my takedown look cool, which I'm like, shit, all right. They're going to cut me after this. I submitted the guy, I, I, and I'm sure it was a key lock there as well. I'm pretty sure that's all I knew at the time. So I moved on to the, to the striking, and they're like, we're going to have you hit pads. And I honest, the guy looked at the kid next to me, and I said, what are pads? And I don't, I think he thought I was trying to be funny because he gave me kind of a shitty look. He didn't laugh and I wasn't being funny. I didn't know what hitting <laughs> pads was. No fucking idea. And they paired me up with uh, Delagrade. He was holding my pads. But I knew it's who he a, was. We, that's not a guy you're going to fool. No. Oh, I didn't no. fool. I don't think I fooled anybody. You're not anybody. fooling Delagrade. Uh-uh. I, got, I got cut off after that round. But then they called me and I want to say three or four other guys. Dana White called us over to a corner and he said, look, he goes, you guys are cut. You're not ready for the show yet, but you guys have made and you open enough eyes where we're going to keep we're going to keep an eye on you guys. And I guess I kind of I, I wasn't happy about that. I, I kind of thought he was. Giving us a pat on the back and hey, good job. Nice try. And forget our names, but I, I guess he was. I guess he wasn't. And obviously, I should have known. He's not a guy that goofs around, and he's certainly not going to tell you we're going to watch you if we're not going to watch you. So, but yeah, they they cut me after the the mitt hitting the pads. If they would have, yeah, if they would have showed a video and said this is what we're going to have you do, because obviously I'd seen it done, I knew what it was. But when they just said hit pads, I was like, huh, never heard that phrase before. <laughs> Well, so yeah. your training partners at this point, were you with George Gergel or were you? No, with- I was just, I was just, it was just me, Rex, uh, BJ Hedger, really good friend of mine. Uh, Mark Kofer, really good friend of mine. Uh, Mark Kofer is the head wrestling coach at New Albany High School in Columbus. BJ Hedger is actually part of the Ohio Athletic Commission now. And my little brother, uh, Daniel Salmon, who he was a two-time state placer in Ohio and wrestled for Ohio University. Okay. So yeah. yeah, that and oh and shoot, I God, I can't believe it. Uh, Josh Williams. Uh, okay, he owned Buckeye MMA at the time. Josh Williams with Buckeye MMA, that is correct. Yeah, was he? Um, were he and Holman ever partners with Buckeye MMA? Rex Holman? No, oh, Rex Josh. Holman. I apologize. With Josh and Rex Holman, were they partners? No, no. Uh, Josh was, as far as I know, Josh. Owned and operated Buckeye MMA on his own. 
so I, I wasn't sure if Rex and you guys would go over there and, and partner. Oh yeah, we, we we would work with Josh. Josh, well, I, I should say Josh worked with us because Josh, of all of us, BJ Hedger and Josh Williams were the only ones who knew anything about anything. All Rex, myself, and my brother knew, and Mark Kofer were was wrestling. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> So Jim Bundy, let, let's go through this. You beat Bull Rider with a key lock, Jerry Spiegel decision, Xanders, you knock him out. Jim Bundy, armbar, so you're opening up in regards to your offensive repertoire. Danny Sheehan, none of these guys have big records. Danny Sheehan, no. you win by KO. Uh, Hans Marrera at the Diesel Fighting Championship. Yeah, Marrera, he was pretty tough when I fought him. Well, his, his record was good. His he has solid, solid jujitsu. He's from Colombia. This was really your first test outside of Rob Wentz. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. Um, I was at this one as well. Marrera, actually a decent human being. You win by key lock. Yeah, I, I like Hans a lot. You've got all finishes except for Spiegel, and then you pull into David Heath, who is a you got two stud wrestlers fighting. Generally speaking, a boxing match shows up. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have a lot of regrets about that fight. Um, that I'm, I'm for sure over now. I, my brother and I were watching him warm up a little bit before the fight, and I saw he was real slick off his back with an arm bar. And I even joked with my brother. I said, well, I'm glad we saw that. There's no way he's catching me with an arm bar. And I took him down right away, and he got me with an arm bar. Like immediately, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was pre- it was pretty quick. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was pretty quick. But, yeah, the whole audience kind of, like, deflated. They were like, like what? Well, they should have uh, hung out with me. The, they should have hung out with me the rest of the night if they wanted to see deflated. No. <laughs> yeah, I was... It, but you know it, it happens. That's part of that's part of competition. You got me. Yeah, no, that's good. So I was told at this time you had left Buckeye MMA and you joined Damage Inc. with Mike Camp. I see. I I never left Buckeye MMA at that point in time. Buckeye MMA didn't even. There wasn't even a real gym. We just trained out of uh, Ohio State's wrestling. Um, Josh Williams he had this dream of a gym and myself, Rex Holman, um, BJ, Mark Hofer, my, my brother, we just, we didn't have any idea of what mixed martial arts was like at that time. We didn't really understand that there were outside gyms that were really only devoted to this. Um, I want to say at that time we were splitting our time a little bit with, uh, Robin Giesler's, uh, Helson Gracie jujitsu gym in Columbus and, um, but yeah, I, and I got with damage Inc, but that was more from a management standpoint. I, uh, I worked with uh, Mike camp and, uh, Sean McCorkle and they had a, a gym there and they said, okay, we're and we're also an affiliate of Gregel's who at the time I was living in Columbus, he was down near, uh, Cincinnati. The Dayton area. Yeah, yeah. Cincinnati Dayton area. And I was like, okay. I was like, that makes sense. It's a, if I want to continue with this and, and make strides and, and bring my level up, I need to be around those people. So that's, it was never a, I'm leaving Buckeye MMA. It was a, 
it was the decision to change my my manager and put myself in a situation to be around guys like George Gregel, um, Rich Franklin, Franklin was there, and uh, Neil Luke Zachrich, Neil Matt Rowe. Brown. Yeah, it was it Josh? Uh, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Josh. Uh, Josh Souter from down there. He was no, in- no, he went at Gurgel's guys. He was on the Ultimate Fighter season one. Eh, I can't remember. Um, and then. Uh, is is this Mike Camp the same one that was a matchmaker for King of the Cage? Uh, I'm, I can almost guarantee it was. Oh, okay, he, Mike yeah, Camp. He's come, up, he's come up quite a bit on our show. Yeah, how, yeah, would, uh, how would you describe Mike Camp? Is he? Oh, I, I love him. I, I I haven't talked to him in years. I, I don't know anything about where he's at or what he's doing now. But yeah, if he anytime he calls me, he can have anything he wants. I'll give him my shirt shirt off my back. He's always okay. been always been great to me. I've had a few interesting dealings with him. So oh. after July, after David Heath, Mike Camp is your manager, correct? Yeah. Okay. So on August fifth, two thousand six, you were supposed to fight in, in Atlantic City against Todd Going. From okay, yeah. yeah, I remember that with uh, reality. What was the name of that part? Show cuff reality show fighting, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, I ended up with uh, not reality shoot fighting, it was reality, it was reality something. I know that yeah. reality combat, yeah. I got a, a horrible ankle sprain, like maybe you know, so long ago, I want to say two weeks out, maybe three. Tops. So if I remember right, shit, you seem to know more than I yeah, remember dates more than I do right I now. Do. So. I do. That's, that's why they call him the MMA <laughs> detective. It's it's, yeah. it's a fancy word of saying mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. It really is. So in essence, you hurt your ankle, but my camp goes online and says, because you've got new management, we've had to like restructure. That fight's no longer happening. This okay. This is news to me. Yes, I know, oh, dude. I remember when all this went down. It was uh, very interesting. Um, you pull out wow. of that fight, obviously, you know, for obvious reasons. And then Lucas Lopez, you're with Corey Fisher. You and Corey Fisher have a real good relationship. You guys are working well together. Lucas Lopez, you beat him by submission, and then you come down to Legends of Fighting in Indianapolis. So this is like the, like the third time I think I saw you fight live. And you fight Bobby Martinez. Yeah. Where are you at mentally in regards to where your career is and where it's headed? At this point. I I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. I, 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 I guess I'm trying to take myself back because I can remember that fight. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of people when you're entourage. You beat Matt Hirschberger, uh, Fight Fest uh, about a month later, back in Ohio again with Corey Fisher. And I, I think at this point in your career, you quit working and you dedicated yourself to fighting full time. No, I, di- I didn't. But at that time, I was just a, I was only bartending then, and I was st- I didn't quit bartending until I signed with the UFC. Okay. I, right I, I know. I, okay, so it was right after. So my timeline's somewhat accurate. And okay, you pick yeah. up Ken Pavia as a manager. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember. You, okay. Yeah, I remember exactly how that happened now. Okay. <laughs> so you go from Mike Camp to Ken Pavia. Camp said they worked together. It was kind of an easy lift for Ken. How was your experiences with him as a manager? Ken? Yes. It was it was good. Every I'm starting to feel like I got lucky here. I I you said you had some interesting dealings with Camp. I'd never heard anybody say <laughs> anything other than good things about him. Um Ken Pavia was the same thing. I had great workings with him. Um Kind of a notorious guy too, though. I mean, I think yeah, he, he's got a okay. I I will say this: he's he's a definitely an interesting personality. He's not a guy I would hang out with and and real good friends. But as far as doing business with him and making things happen, everything he said he could do for me, he did for me. And I, I'll say this: if anything that ended up wrong i think in my career was always on me it was any all my losses were my fault not putting myself in in always the best situations was as far as training and stuff like that goes that's all on me that has nothing to do with um anybody who was managing that i was working with as far as a manager or agent or anything like that um the theory that we have here on this, I mean, we've got lots of them. There's two things with that of yourself. You epitomize the three A's. Anytime, anyone, anywhere. You, like Realistically, when you look at your record, those three A's, that's a big box everybody likes to pretend to check. But there's actually very few people that fall into that category. 100% you do. The I appreciate is, you saying that. I'm not well, that's just the truth. That's the truth. That yeah, is true. <laughs> Not always the best way to approach things, especially when it, it's a business as well. But right, but when you combine that with a brave manager, there uh, could yeah. be some problems. I, I see, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's again, you know, the same with the same with my uh, college career. In hindsight, I should have done it this way, but I've my whole life has always been fuck that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And that uh, I've kind of lived and died by that. We'll, yeah. we'll say that. And yeah, I've and man, I hear people say all the time, Oh, I have I have no regrets. Live life with no regrets. Fuck that. I have a million regrets. If you could give me a, a time machine and I could turn back things and go do things differently, oh man, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I have so many places I'd like to go and redo, but at the end of the day, I've made peace with that. I'm I'm okay with it. And of course, some yeah. of them make for funny stories. Some of them make for sad stories. But shit, you got them. But you yeah. got stories. Yeah, they're mine. They're mine. I got a lot of them. Well, here, let's start with one. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You beat Matt Hirschberger by KO, <laughs> and your first fight in the UFC is January 25th, 2007, UFC Fight Night Eight. You are the main event, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I see and I, I got some good stories around that too. So, okay. If, we'll say the the sad part first. So yeah, I when when uh I was with Damajink at the time as my agency and they they called me in and they're like we, we got the, the UFC called they want you. I said tell them I want Forrest Griffin or Rashad Evans or I'm not fighting. In the room and it was me camp 
McCorkle. I want to say there were one or two other guys in there, and they all went silent. Like they were waiting for the punchline, and it didn't come. I said, that, I said that's what I want. It's Rashad or Griffin, or I said, because – I'm, I said, I'm going to be a world champ. So I'm, I said, I'm thinking right now, it's like I'm three fights away from a world title fight if I start there. <laughs> I said, so make it happen. It's true. And I mean, technically speaking, you are three fights away once you beat Rashad Evans. 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. and you maintain that that bravado. Right. Yeah. Uh, being young and stupid is not always a, a fun way to go or a good way to go through life, but. It does, like we said, it makes for some interesting stories. So yeah, I I, I got Rashad, and I had no doubt in my mind I was going to beat him. No, was, was this short notice? Uh, no, I had I had time. You had time. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure on that. Yeah, I had I had so, time. So Joey, and... Joey, think about this. Let's listen to that answer. He had time to work out or work out it. Not short notice. I think there was an opponent before with Rashad. I, I couldn't find it. There, there's no documentation. It's just my my mental belief that there was. But they brought in a guy rather than let's just say there was a former opponent, or or if there wasn't, it's pretty pretty amazing whether it's own right. But rather than pick from the pool that they have for a main event fight, they brought in a guy in his first outing into the UFC, like big lights, big city. You know, that first UFC fight, you know, Joey, there's a lot of people that have comments on that. Right. But if you look at the first round of this fight, for a minute, it looks like Sean was going to win his bet on himself. I mean, he didn't get blown out. I think it was two takedowns in the first round. It was a competitive fight. Last couple exchanges, Sean, you bested him for sure. Landed a good right, I think. Yeah. How would you describe the fight? It it was going exactly... Exactly like I wanted it to. Exactly like I planned. Um, Like like I already said, you seem to know everything. So um, maybe you don't know this one. Before the, we got there, I think the fight was Thursday night. They flew me in on Sunday. I want to say Monday, I'm out running with my brother. And and I kept this quiet for the longest time. I think I've only spoken about it on Facebook, but it was only years later. I rolled my ankle running with my brother. Rolled it bad, bad. It's the size of a baseball. If I can find the picture of it, I'll I'll send it to you. It's the size of a baseball. We're getting back to the, back to the casino there, and I look at him like, dude, I can't even walk anymore. Like you, I'm like, I'm not joking. I'm like, you got to carry me. He's like, are you serious? And I, I reached down and I pushed my sock down, and I said, and I felt it bulge out and. Like, I know it's not broken. I'm doing the math in my head. I know it's not broken. I got three days here. What the hell can I do? He carries me up to the room. I'm like, we got to find a doctor. Like, I need I need some kind of shot. I need to find a doctor. So he's getting on the phone. He's calling for a doctor. I have my photo shoot the next morning. And we're trying to think of what we can do. I have, well, I have my hand wraps for my boxing gloves. So I wrap my ankle up so he can't see it. And my brother carries me down there because I I can't let people, I can literally not walk on this thing. And I limp in there and this photographer looks at me, he goes, what's the matter? I said, oh, I said, I just, I just sprained my ankle a little bit ago, just shadow boxing. I said, I'm just being extra careful right now. That That's all it is. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. He shoots the photo. He goes, why do you got that 
hand wrap on your ankle. I said, I'll, like I said, I said, I'm being extra careful here. I don't want to. You're asking a lot of questions, photographer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I hobble back out of the room and jump on my brother's back again. And we're weaving through the slot machines because we don't want anybody to see that I can't fucking walk. And he, my brother stops and he goes, get down. And I get down, pulls his phone from his pocket and he shows it to me. He goes, it's Dana White. He goes, what do you think he wants? I said, I don't know, fucking answer it. No, his ankle's fine. We told that guy it's fine. He's just being extra, he's being extra careful. He's fine. Okay, okay. Well, we found a doctor. We drove up to uh I don't even remember. We drove up to uh American Top Team, hooked us up with one of their doctors. Walk into this doctor's office, he's got the whole jujitsu board on his wall framed. It's beautiful. I can't believe I don't remember his name. And he looks at my ankle. He goes, this thing's broken. I can't do anything with this. I said, I promise it's not broken. I know my body well enough to know it's not a broken bone. He said, okay, I need to do an x-ray first. Does an x-ray. He goes, okay. He goes, it's not broken. I said, I'm thinking a shot of cortisone, something. I just, I need to be able to move. He goes, cortisone's not going to do anything for you. He goes, what I can do, he goes, he goes, I'll have to come and see you right before your fight. He goes, I can give you a shot right before your fight. You won't feel a thing. I said, okay. I said, how many tickets do you need? Two is fine. Perfect. So I don't do any, I can't do anything for those other days because I can't put any pressure on it. And he So the open said, workouts, open workouts, nothing. No, there were no open workouts. That okay. We, okay. We didn't even okay. do those. I would have, I would have canceled or, or just not shown up. I would have pulled the, pretended like I was McGregor thinking I was too good to show up for it. Or yeah, something. For your, I don't know. For your first UFC fight. Yeah. yeah that's a I don't know event. what yeah. I would have done in that case. Well, it turns out the UFC sends cameras up to my room. And I, because I'm in the main event, they give me a suite in the room right next to it. They send cameras up to the room. And I'm like, what the fuck? I said, I got a doctor on his way up. Because the doctor called my brother. He's like, we're in a parking lot. Dan goes, all right, come up to this room. He gave him the room number to the room next door. And I get a smart idea to what to tell these camera guys because they think they're allowed to follow me wherever I go. I said, look, I said, my brothers and I do a religious ceremony <laughs> together. We can't have cameras in, in this other room. With our okay. doctor? Yeah. Well, we snuck the doctor in while they were, they were in the suite with me. We snuck the doctor into the connecting room. I told the camera guys, you can't come in there. This is a religious ceremony. My brothers and I do. Very sacred. We don't want, we don't want people Very judging sacred. our religion. I walk in and he's got a doctor's got a little cooler. He goes, it's two shots. It's lidocaine and something else. And he gives me a shot and he goes, give it a minute. He's move, massaging the shit into my ankle. And I'm like, he goes, okay. He goes, go ahead and stand up. And I'm standing up like I always do where I, I didn't put any weight on it. He goes, you're not going to feel anything. And I put my toe down and I'm like, holy shit, holy. And I couldn't feel a thing. Not a single thing. I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Did, did he charge you? So, no. No, I, ne I never saw a bill. Joey, do you think you put money down on the other guy? Oh, <laughs> oh I didn't think about that. Not if he believed in his work. <laughs> oh, that man, dude. You got a guy with one foot, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had no doubt. And I and I made sure I said, you can't tell anybody about this because I didn't want it to look like an excuse after the fight. So I didn't. Yeah. I, and I told my brothers and my the guys around me, my coaches, I said, you can't, this does. Nobody says shit. I get my head kicked to the moon, which obviously that's what happened. Hey, we don't say, oh, his ankle was messed up.
Well, you shut the. F- <laughs> Everybody goes into a fight banged up. It's the way it goes. So, so you get knocked out. Um, you get stretchered from the ring. Um, it was yeah. kind of a, it was kind of a scary knockout, man. Yeah, I kind of got a funny story about that. So we get into the ambulance, and they're they're asking me daytime. What you know where? And I'm answering everything correctly. And I and I know what I'm about to say. I don't want the medics to hear. In the back of my mind, I, I knew what was going on. I, so I pulled my brother close and I said, I got knocked out, didn't I? He goes, yeah. I said, I said, we're, I said, we're in the UFC, right? He goes, yeah. I said, when did we get that contract? He goes, oh, Jesus. Let's go with sirens, guys. <laughs> oh, man. But I was, a, I was a wizard. Yeah, I'm good. I was with it <laughs> enough to know that I should need, I needed to keep that between us. I didn't right. need the medics hearing me say, when did we get that contract? Well, <laughs> the month prior was gone, but I knew everything up until that day. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you actually had, um, did something take place between you and Rashad Evans that made it a little uh, adversarial? No, I, and people keep saying that. I, Rashad was, I mean, we got in each other's face a little bit at the weigh-ins, but I think he was just trying to intimidate the new guy. That wasn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think anything of it. As far as I know, that was it. I mean, if you know something different, uh, it, no, I certainly no, don't. No, no. I, I mean, I wasn't sure if there was there was a little bit of name calling or whatnot. Um, no, I, I've never said anything a- bad about Rashad. They made a lot of the whole Buckeye Spartan kind of rivalry. They were kind of building up the fight on that somewhat. No, yeah, I, I agree State. with that. I remember that the, yeah. a lot of my interview questions were, did you and Rashad ever wrestle? Did you ever compete against him? And and we didn't. And yeah, there, there was just nothing there. In hindsight, I probably should have ran with that a little more, but I I've never I'm not I'm not a promoter. I don't know how to sell a fight. I'm not <laughs> Yeah, you show up in your fight. Yeah, you show up in your fight. Um, You also had to deal with Armando Garcia, the California State Athletic Commissioner at the time. How was your deal? I I know you're not supposed to say I hate people. I fucking hate that guy. What what was Uh, the issue? So I I fight on strike force against Jorge Santiago, and, and I got knocked out. And I woke up trying to fight the referee. Because as far as I knew, I was still fighting. And he goes on every single, and God, this is how fucking, I am not one to, to scream corruption or you're trying to get money out of me or this motherfucker is a lying, corrupt piece of shit. And when he dies, I want to dig his grave. I really do. Yeah. He went yeah, he... and told everybody I had a seizure. You're never going to fight again. This, that, and the other thing. And I start, and I find this, and I find this out, and I start calling him like, I didn't have a seizure. I'm like, I was out of the hospital within 20 minutes. They looked at me. They asked me if I wanted, if I needed a prescription for pain. I said, no. I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm awake now. I know what happened. I got my ass kicked. That's it. Game's over. I lost. So I get to go home now. And he's screaming about a seizure, a seizure. Finally, I've called enough times and caused enough problems where he's like, okay, he goes, you can, you need to come out here and see my doctor. Okay. No, that's never he good. Goes, that's he goes, never my, good. he said, he goes, my doctor is cash only 1500 bucks. 
I said, no, I said, I said, I have insurance. He said, no, no insurance. He said, it's cash only. Dr. Gluckman, I think he's in uh, Long Beach. Dr. Gluckman, cash only Dr. Gluckman. So I go in, he does a EKG and something with my brain. And he, he comes back and he looks at it. He come, I'm there like, I think the, the test was an hour. I was there maybe another hour extra. And he goes, okay. He goes, he goes, I'm not seeing anything. He goes, but I'm, I'm not confident. He goes, I, I still think you, there's nothing showing up here, but I think you had a seizure. Everything looks normal, but I think you had a seizure. I said, you can't, you can't say that. I said, if you can't prove I had a seizure, I said, I have the tape. I said, you have to, someone has to watch this tape with me and point to where they think they see a seizure. Because the ringside doctor didn't see a seizure. I had to run down the medics report that said, uh, what is it, four levels of alert, time, place. And I'm drawing a blank now. I had, yeah, I answered yeah. them all correctly in the ambulance. Every, nothing anywhere said seizure except for Armando Garcia and Dr. Cash Only Gluckman. So they send me Jeez. home. I had to fly out there on my own dime, fly back on my own dime, pay the $1,500 for the test, my own money. They call, and I'm now again, I'm back home and I'm calling them again. I'm like, you've got to release me from the suspension or put a date on it. You can't just say he's suspended forever. One or the other has to happen. Says, after, again, another couple of weeks of me calling, literally every day, and calling Dr. Gluckman's office and harassing his secretaries. Said, I want him on the phone. He, I, I deserve answers. I'm his patient. I just gave you guys fifteen hundred bucks. Armando calls and he says, "You got to stop calling these people." I said, "You got to give me answers. That's all I want." He said, "You got to come out and see him again." I said, "Let oh. me guess for another." I said, "Let me guess for another fifteen hundred bucks." He goes, "No." He goes, "He's got to do a deeper test, twenty five hundred, cash only." I said, "Fine." I said, "But this is the last you're getting out of me." So again pack my bags, fly out. And that's where Ken Pavia lived there. So I didn't have to pay for a hotel. I got to stay with Ken and train at uh, uh, Tiki Goshen's place, uh, Ultimate Huntington Beach or Ultimate Fitness Huntington Beach. I forget what he calls it. Paid $2,500, $2,500 more. He puts me through the exact same test he puts me through the first time. Doesn't come back to see me and talk to me this time. After the test, just has the secretary and nurse send me home. Went back to, to the gym, started training. I finally get a call that said, okay, you're released. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I call Armando and I said, hey, I heard I'm released. He goes, yeah, good news, Sean. I said, I want my apology too. I, I didn't get an apology. He's corrupt, lying. I, and, I, and I don't know what, I don't, if I could prove or I knew why he decided to pick on me at the time. I, I promise. Well, I Sean, it. it's just Sean. Let me tell you something. And I'm just going to be very direct. I love bringing his name up because these are the constant stories we get on our podcast. Oh, it's not. So it's not just you. It's everybody. Do you know what he's doing right now? I hope nothing important. I hope it's nothing where he has charge of, in, in charge or over anybody. He's in charge of security for station casinos. Shocked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and uh, this will be the last one minute I say about it. the after Wayne's, we have to go to his suite at this hotel for drug tests. There are the bottles that athletes pee in. 
are sitting all over the place with piss in them, not covered, not sealed and taped. My little brother's with me and he goes, you are not letting anybody take your piss out of your sight before the doctor seals it, screws the top on and tapes it shut. I said, no shit. I said, how is anybody else in this room allowing this to happen? I've never done a drug test where anybody lets their piss leave their sight. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was nuts. But yeah, that he runs a he, no, he runs a really loose ship. Yeah, I'll say that. So after the Rashad fight, you also were criticizing Dana White as well. I what? You I, you made a couple comments about Dana White as well. Did you and Dana talk after the Rashad fight, or was it just cool? Well, yeah, what? Did, I didn't say anything bad about Dana. No, I, I thought I read that you. you you were having some issues with not only Armando Garcia, but also Dana White. No, I've never had a problem with Dana White in my life. He, he called me, uh, shit, I was walking out of the hospital from uh, Rashad. He called my phone. He had been calling my brothers the whole time, just but he called my phone, wanted to know how I was doing, make sure everything was okay. I was like, yeah, I was like, thanks for having me. I hope, hope you bring me back soon. It didn't go the way I wanted it to, but yeah, I, I've never had an issue with Dana at all. all right, all right, Sean, just just so like everybody's on the same page here. Listen, I, I've got a lot of things written down. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're facts, but what it oh, does mean, good. But, well, what it does mean is that you at least say your story. You get to straighten it out, and if I've got some misinformation, which, which happens, you at least get your side of the story to where it's fair. And true, at least from like okay, your perspective. No. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, so, I, I never had. A, so I'm going to be hitting you with stuff. Some of it's good, some not. All we want to straighten it out. That's it. Absolutely. Kick yeah, absolutely. All right. So after this, dude, Alan Belcher, Joey, do you remember the hype train that Alan Belcher was on when he first came to the UFC? Oh yeah, yeah, he was hot, it, dude. He was like their hottest prospect. In fact. Like Eddie Bravo, Joe Rogan, they would publicly state, this guy's a future world champion. Like everybody went all in on Alan Belcher, and that's your second fight. No favors. Yeah, that, no, I, I, shit, I've never asked for a favor in, 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 the, in the world of competition. I've never asked for a favor once. Shit, I go out of my way to make things difficult, it seems. And a lot of that is true. Um, no, I was supposed to fight uh, Red Schaefer from Milwaukee. Eric, Eric uh, Red Schaefer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jiu-Jitsu fighters. And they gave me Alan Belcher, and I was fine with that. It, I, thought I, I thought I could beat Alan. Um, in hindsight, I didn't – yeah, it's a story of my career. In hindsight, I should have worked through getting knocked out the way I did a little more. And spent a little more time dealing with that mentally. When I, and I see you giving me that look. But when I went into that fight, and I'm trying to, if I remember right, and that's one fight I've never gone back and watched. In my mind, I, I was trying to walk him down, and, he, and I couldn't get him to gauge. So I started taking really bad shots and ended up getting guillotined, Yeah, which I deserved. You know, you do stupid shit. <laughs> stupid things happen. Um, but in hindsight, I should have been, Prepared to walk in there and 
trade more, even if he's not engaging or, or whatever the situation is, deal with it well, the, the way you're supposed to deal with things that don't go your way in a fight. The, you know, I want him to come at me and I want to take a shot, put him on his ass and finish it. But sometimes people it don't. Yeah. It is what it is. Hey, did you have thought about maybe training elsewhere? Like maybe opening up like different, getting different looks from different camps? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, 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 uh, it was, wasn't terribly long after that. I'm from Milwaukee. My family, I was born in Milwaukee. I started going to Duke Rufus's a little bit. Um, I got in a situation where I was able to go out to Wolves Lair and train with those guys. Um, I was spending a little bit of time. It's not the United Kingdom. Um, Yeah. Is it Mario Neto? Is it Mario Neto that's in charge? Dude, if I pulled out Joey, if I pulled out Wolf Slayer Mario Neto, dude, put that on a board. Go ahead. I know that. I, I don't know if he was running it, but I know he was out there. He's out there the now. Name. I forget the hey. name of the owner. I don't even think it's open anymore. Um, it is. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was training in Huntington Beach a little bit, and I, I really did. I was in, I got to a place where I really wanted to move back to Milwaukee and and just get under under Duke Rufus and his team's thumb. And who were you hanging out with in Huntington Beach? Was it the Huas crew or was it? I was Keys? working mostly with uh, Razor and Tiki would work in a little bit. Tito was there a bit. Rampage was there a bit. Um, Joey, uh, we should try to work on getting shit. Tiki on. His, Tiki would be a good one. Yeah. He'd be a really good interview. I can't believe I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Benji, Benji Raddick. Is that, is Benji that, Raddick was from right? the, yeah, Benji Raddick was from like the Pacific Northwest. He's more well, of a Seattle yeah, guy. Yeah, but he would, the, a couple times I was there, he was there as well. And I really, I, yeah, I liked him a lot. I went real well with him. Um, yeah, so I was, and, and this, again, in, in hindsight, I would have just moved to Milwaukee and been done with it. But I was married at the time and we had a, a little boy. Marcus and she wasn't comfortable with moving, so we didn't. Yeah, no, I but then I get it. You got a kid, then, you know. Yeah, so and I was hooked up with George Gregels as well, but that was an hour and a half away from Columbus, hour away from Columbus. So I was making that drive two to three times a week, but and it it's the same. Unless you immerse yourself in that, you're never going to end up as good as you could be. And unfortunately, I, I, and I'm okay seeing it now. I'm 45. It's, it's past. It's over. I'm glad it happened and I would live it all over again, but I would still do things differently. I I never, never put myself in a situation where I was just surrounded by mixed martial arts and the people and coaches that are at a high level every single day, day in and day out. And yeah, that, I mean that's for sure a great amount. Josh Rafferty was the name I was trying to think earlier. He's also a Gurgel guy. He was on the Ultimate Fighter season. Yeah, yeah, that was the name. I was kind of drawing a blank. Um, okay, let's talk about working out with with Team Gurgel. Um, at the time, you had let, let's go through the lineup at the time. You had you had Neil Rowe, Matt Brown, Kerry Shaw, uh, George Gurgel himself, Rich Franklin. <laughs> Um, it was like a murderer's row. Oh, Dustin, Dustin Hazlitt. Dustin Hazlitt was another yeah, one. You like, want to get on the ground with a murderer? Yeah. Try rolling with 
Dustin sometime. So it was literally kind of like an all-star gym that flew under a lot of people's radars, but like they certainly made a name for themselves. How would you describe working out with Matt Brown at that time? Did you get any rounds in with him? Not he, not a, not a ton. And I can't speak. I'm see, I'm horrible with time. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I'm trying to guess what what years that might have been, but I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at like 2007, 2008. Matt Brown really didn't get the respect of those guys that that he, he should have. We we addressed this in our Matt Brown interview. They almost used him as kind of like a body to open up fights for everybody else. Like they would go to uh, be the B side on a uh, a card out, out of town, and Matt would be the guy that they'd give the hardest fights for, so they would get easier fights. Uh, Matt didn't get the respect he deserved uh, at, at that gym at that time, which is why he had to leave. Okay, yeah, that and that's just something I can't. And man, I I hope you don't think I don't dodge questions. That's just not something I can speak yeah, intelligently on. I, cool. It wasn't. I, I remember. I remember he was there a couple times when I was there, and but like I said, I was only there two or three times a week, and. We were in there for the workout, and we were gone. A lot of those guys, they would go to lunch afterwards, and we'd go to lunch with them. My guys that we went down, we came down from Columbus. We'd go maybe one out of three or four or five times they went, and so I didn't get to become yeah, close. Yeah, build the kind of close. friendships that that you typically build with people that you're you're fighting with every day. Who was your main training partners at Team Gershaw? I, I did a lot of work with uh, Dustin Hazlitt. Um, did quite a bit of work with Neil on our feet. Um, Neil's clinch uh, game is insane. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, man, there and there was a little wrestler there too. I, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. I don't think I'm going to get it. It's okay. It's all right. So you're back to the independent grind. What was the phone call like telling you that you've been released from the UFC? I didn't get that phone call after uh, BJ, or I'm sorry, after uh, man, I'm all kinds of yeah after after Belcher, and I actually him and I have spoken on Facebook a couple times. Alan's actually a really cool guy. I like him a lot, despite the two or three minutes we we shared together. Um, I didn't get the after the Alan Belcher fight. I was with uh, Pavi at the time, and I said, "Go tell him I'm. I, I just I don't want that last fight." And th- they may have been very ready to to let me go anyway. But I said, "Go tell him I, I don't want that last fight. I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to I need to figure things out because I'm I, after the Belcher fight. I was like, I'm a lot better than that. I was like, I am a better fighter than what I just did. And if if they give me if they give me a Forrest Griffin now, I'm just going to end up getting murdered. So I said, let's, let's go get a couple more fights. Let's get some training and, and get back. So less than three, should. yeah, less than three weeks later, you're fighting for, uh, was it? Nick? Yeah, I, did, I didn't. Is it what? The Cleekus. Which Cleekus brother is it? Not Nick. Greg. Greg, Greg Cleekus. Wow. Dude, Look at that. I like, both, good I like both of those guys. Uh, Greg Klikas at the NAAFS, they actually had a they had a lot going on at one point. They brought in an investor, yeah. and it was kind of game over after that. 
But Greg Kalikas was the promoter, and they give you Jason Freeberg Freeman. Yeah, tough kid. Super tough. Anything that stand out with him? No, it, it, and that's a fight. You know, I, I did win that fight, and I, but I shouldn't have take. I shouldn't have taken it. I, I should have stuck to my game plan and, and taken time away. Got under the thumb of of a Duke Rufus and his and his team, and build myself back up. Because I, I mean, I walked into that fight with zero confidence. I'm two weeks, three weeks after Alan Belcher, <clears throat> I left the UFC. I don't. If you want to fight me, I want to fight too. I just I can't say no to that. And in hindsight, I I should have looked at my agent and said, "Hey, if somebody calls about a fight, don't tell me. Just tell them no. Tell them no." Sean's Sean's figuring out. Sean, he's putting himself back together again. But he called me and he said, "Hey, you want to fight?" I said, "Yeah, let's fight." Of course, I want to fight. So Jason Freeberg Freeman. Little side note for everybody at home. Um. I want to say probably about 2010, 2011, his uh, aunt comes to him and tells him that she needs to tell him something. And she was a, her and her, his mom, grandmother, the grandmother was a part of the Charlie Manson group. And he may have a direct genetic relation with Charles Manson. Jesus. he took a DNA wow. test, and he does. He he was he was Charles Manson's like great guy, like great grandchild, and he actually owns Charles Manson's ashes as as of today. <laughs> wow, I thought I had sure, cool stories. That's Sure Dog has his nickname as Charlie Manson the Third. He changed wow. it. Yeah, he changed it. Yeah, in fact, dude, he he called me up, and I remember when all this was going down. His is he told me. I got a tattoo parlor wanting to give me a couple hundred grand for a few ounces of the ashes so they can tattoo them into people. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, wow. A weird world that we're living in, Joey Venti. It's, a weird world. Mixed martial arts makes it a lot weirder. So you win by Keylock, Bill Hill, 50 Fight Club member. You're at the XFO. I saw that was live for this fight. You beat Bill by decision. Not an easy fight. Oh, I got my leg got kicked. He just kept kicking me, and I had a uh, red Schaefer in my corner for that fight. I came back between I don't remember if it was between the first and second or second and third. He goes, "You know those leg kicks are scoring points." I said, "No shit, I don't know how to stop them." Yeah, it's funny. Really? I, yeah, I that thing. My leg woke me up in the middle of the night for about a month afterwards. It just hurt so bad. Wow. Wow. Travis View is right after that. Another 50. He's got about 100 fights, actually. Yeah, another fight I I wish I had back. I I rocked him. I had him stumbling. And, again, this was – I didn't go back after the Alan Belcher fight and do what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to take time and get myself back together and, and, and not even just get myself back together but continue to get better add on top of what I was already doing. And I didn't do that. And I had, I clipped Travis. He threw a jab and I came over the top and connected right with his jaw, but it, it wasn't a hard punch. Mine was more of a jab as well. And he stumbled and I got excited and I 
shot a double leg and put my neck right into a guillotine. Yeah, that was your issue. Jason Jones, you win by KO. He's wrecking ball out of Team Bloody Buddy. That guy was eight and two. Jason Jones was was no joke, man. Another actually decent little independent ground grind fighter for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your biggest win. Mirko Raponen out in Fight Festival in Finland. I think this is right around the time. You, yeah, it's right around the time you start hooking up with the guys from Wolf Slayer. But let's talk about yeah. that fight in particular. Very impressive win. Very tough opponent. Yeah, the, man, that was a. I, I was I was finding my stride at that point, and again, I still I should have taken more time. But Ken called and he said, "Do you have a passport?" I said, "Yeah," and I obviously I knew where he was going with this one. I didn't know who or where I was going with this one, but he said. He goes, this kid Miko Rubin out of uh, Helsinki. He goes, I, he goes, I think he's a good matchup for you. I said, okay. You know, I don't say no to fights. He said, okay, it's already booked. Perfect. Went out there and uh, yeah, caught him, caught him with an elbow. Well, shit, and I didn't have a, I couldn't get a corner man on short notice. So he's like, I'll send, I'll, I'm going to send Baroni out. Okay, perfect. I landed in, I think I want to say I landed in New York. And that's where Baroni and I were supposed to connect and then, you know, fly to, I think we had a layover in Copenhagen or something like that, whatever. We were supposed to fly over from there and he never showed up. I'm like, fuck, awesome. I'm like 15 pounds over right now. I have no corner man. And I'm in Helsinki. (laughs) (laughs) Phil is usually so... uh... Go ahead, Joey. Go ahead. ahead. Did did Baroni have a good story for not making it or did he just no show, no call? No, I, I, I'm sure it had something to do with alcohol or a girl or both. And right. Yeah. I, at that point, I was responsible, usually very yeah. responsible. Very I, know. I, can't, I, can't very believe, I can't believe how surprised I was that he wasn't in New York. And if, yeah, if okay. he was even, even had a ticket to go, if, yeah, well, Ken was his agent at the time as well. So that's the Which, only thing that gave me hope that, yeah, shit, he's going to come this time. Because, yeah, yeah, whatever. I was more concerned with the 15 pounds at that time than I was whatever it was Phil was doing. Well, dude, you, you beat him, KO, huge win. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. And and I love Helsinki. Those people are some of the nicest people in the world. And uh, Miko was on Facebook for a little while. He even sent me uh, one of his T-shirts for Christmas. One year, I had a big picture of him on the front. I still have it hanging on the wall in my basement. Great guy. A lot of the people I, I've met out there. Audi, uh, real tough female fighter. Uh, yeah, I, I, I loved all my time. Anytime I got to so, go to Finland, I enjoyed it. So for that fight, did you have nobody in your corner or just like a local? No, I got, I got uh, Dirty Bob. Dirty Bob Schreiber, dude. Yeah. The greatest martial artists ever wait a minute please let's slow down let's slow down we need everything about dirty bob schreiber was he sober was he sober as far as i know i i have nothing to say that he wasn't except for so ken texts me he goes he goes i i got a guy who's gonna sit in your corner his name's dirty bob i'm like oh that's fucking awesome dirty bob really I had no idea who he was. 
legend. So, yeah, and now I know. But his name, Dirty, it's for sure true. It calls me over. So I'm at the venue. I meet him, and and we're good. We're getting along. We have a good report. And I think all fighters are like that. You meet someone with like-minded, whether even you're a little bit over this way or a little bit over that way, you're going to get along. And we got along great. And now I'm, I don't know if I'm two or three fights away from going on. They go, Sean, come over here. Come over here. And he puts this sticky shit all over my hands. Like it's fucking crazy glue on my hands. He goes, this kid's never getting away from you now. I'm like, this is fucking illegal. I'm like, get this. I'm like, what are you doing? You got to tell me before you start wiping shit all over. And yeah, I had, I was in the, in the, the locker room washing the shit off my hand right up until they said from the United States of America, Sean Salmon. I'm like, fuck, I'm still covered in this sticky shit. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Gotta, you gotta tell somebody before you start putting stuff on them. Did you go to the after party with him? No, I somehow I had met a guy named Tommy, and I, I'd butcher, butcher his last name, it starts with an S. Um, I, I came out of the locker room, I went back to my hotel. And I was at the hotel bar and he comes walking and he goes, Sean, he goes, come on, I'm here to pick you up. Nobody told me anybody was coming to pick me up. And I went out with, with him and his friends in a limo and took me to all these nightclubs in Helsinki. And it was, I, I don't, I've never seen Dirty Bob since then. So Dirty Bob Schreiber, for those of you at home, if you listen to this podcast, I mean, our ears perk up whenever his name gets mentioned. He is the guy that no called, no showed several regional events in Holland because he got picked up by the police for street fighting on the way to the venue. <laughs> go, go on YouTube, Dirty Bob versus Matty Hornstein. It is one of the greatest fights where one person repeatedly fouls a guy over and over and over and over again. And then the guy who gets fouled for the 50th time says, dude, I've had enough. I, I can't continue. So they raised the guy's hand who fouled him because yeah, the guy that got fouled just couldn't continue anymore. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, dude, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. The weird thing, a week after this fight, you're supposed to fight for Corey Fisher. You're even on all the advertisements. And then it turned out that you were never really on the car. Who was I supposed to fight? I, I don't know, but I know you were on all the posters. I, okay. I, yeah, I don't know anything about this. Okay. Then you sign a contract with HDNet and Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is in the MMA game. He goes, dude, there's something happening here. I got to be involved. Um, do you remember getting that contract? Yeah. Yeah, who who was he? Who did he have matchmaking for him? Guy Mesger. Guy Mesger. Guy Mesger. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get along with Guy very well. My my very few interactions with uh, Mark Cuban were great. Fuck, awesome guy. Um, well, Guy Mesger was pissed because I got knocked out by Jorge Santiago, and he and again, this is now where. I've learned since sometimes what you tell an agent to communicate on your behalf and what they actually say are two different things. Um, if I remember, 
if I'm remembering I, correctly. I hope Ken, you're not. I hope you're not throwing Ken Pavia under the bus here. But go ahead. Go ahead. If I'm remembering correctly, Ken had talked to Guy because I was signed to fight uh, Jason Miller. Mayhem. No, you were scheduled to fight Dennis Hallman. No, I'm talking about the HD net fight. Oh, go ahead. I was scheduled to fight Mayhem Miller. And then we ended up taking the strike force called. Again, I'm telling you from my perspective, maybe Penn's was different and what was communicated was different now that I'm I'm learning a little bit more. And I said, well, we got, we got to get permission. I mean, I think they were a week, maybe two weeks apart. Yeah. So the contract in essence stated that you could fight outside of HDNet. HDNet was just in the building block stages of putting something really nice together. And dude, they did a great job. They legitimately did a really good job. I I agree with that. I did watch them. And your connection with them was as long as we give you verbal permission, we're good to go. And it was, you, you got into a nice little contract. So strike force calls with Dennis Hallman and they agreed to it. Okay, I, I, and I could be very well just forgetting the Dennis Hallman part. I know he fought on that card as well. You were on the undercard against Dennis Hallman, for sure. Oh, okay. sure. yes. Now you're right, because I was on the but undercard, and then I got... Two weeks yeah. later was Jason Miller. That's where our confusion lay. Yeah, well, okay. no, and then... But somebody got hurt or didn't make weight for that tournament. Sasaki... Failed his medical. So, dude, That's check this out. Wow. Sean yeah, Sammons yeah. and Wayne. And, dude, Sean, you, I, I'm, I'm talking way too much in this interview, so I'm apologizing. No. Sasaki fails his way in. He's, he's in the four-man tournament. Yeah. And they brought this guy in from Japan. Doesn't get cleared. They look at you. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, said, I said yes. I said, but we got to go. We got to get permission. Because now things have changed. I said, I want to make sure everybody knows everything. We need to clear this with HDNet. We got to call Guy. And I was told we had permission. And as far as I knew, that was that. And and then, obviously, things went the way they did. I ended up getting knocked out. Well, 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 wait a minute. No, no, no. There's some really good shit we're missing out on. Your contract, was it more money or the same money as Dennis Almond? I have no idea. It was the same money. Okay. I know I made. I, in the release that I could find, it said five grand. No, I made. Uh, no, because I got a $10,000 check in the mail as well. And I. Okay. I, well, okay. Did, I want to say. Make more money, I want to say I ended up with 25 grand for that fight total. Dude, then that's it. Because on their on their public release, it said five thousand total dollars. Okay, it was. I know I made more than five. I want to say twenty five. I okay. Hey, dude, dude. I, good. That makes me happy. That was. That's my next question. <laughs> there was, was Joe Riggs had an issue with Ken Pavia in regards to not getting a signing bonus, and I was wondering if maybe that had taken place here. Okay. Okay. No, I never had. Like I said, I never had an issue with Ken as far as anything not going. The way it was supposed to. So Guy Mesger agrees to allow this gentleman right here fight on a strike force card. Sasaki fails his medicals at weigh-ins. They go to you about entering the tournament. You mention 
Yes, as long as he gets cleared through Guy Mezger, you take the fight. And then Guy Mezger publicly states that they were distancing themselves from you over this decision to enter into the tournament and said Sean Salmon doesn't have good decision-making in regards to like what he's doing. Keep in mind... I hate to tell you, he's right. (laughs) 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 Fuck. You know anybody wants to say, if anybody <laughs> wants to say anything about me that's true, Sean Salmon does not have good decision making skills. Oh man, <laughs> I can't argue with the man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Guy Mezger, Guy Mezger publicly states that before the Jorge Santiago mm-hmm. fight, and the Jorge Santiago fight is kind of reminiscent of what took place between uh, Ben Askren and Jorge Santiago. Flying knee got you. Yeah. Well, uh, and again, it's when you go into a situation that you were preparing for one thing, because yeah, now that you said that, I forgot all about the Dennis Hall yeah. part there. You're fighting I a wrestler. Had, You're fighting a wrestler whole, ground guy. Yeah. yeah, I was going to take him down and stall because we were only supposed to fight two five minute periods. I was going to take him down and just staple his back to the mat for 10 minutes, walk away safe, healthy, not a scratch on me, and go fight mayhem. You can't make plans when you're signing up for a fist fight because nothing ever goes according to plan. So my new game plan with Santiago was with no was tape, gonna, with no tape, no watching any of his fights. Just yeah, way, yeah I was gonna, I, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna fake a shot. He was gonna half sprawl, and I was gonna clip him, and he was gonna be unconscious and I was going to win. And then I was going to go fight man again. You can't, it's, you can always have a game plan when you're going into a fight, but you also have to have a, okay, shit just went way wrong. We got to come up with something different, whether yeah. that's falling back to your, to your strength or falling back to your, where you're most comfortable, whatever it is, I would go in and I very rarely came up with hard and fast game plans but in my mind, and I, man, I'm glad you, I completely forgot about the Dennis Allman fight before that, that I was supposed to have that first. I had no doubt I was just going to take him down, keep my elbows close to my body, keep my ankles close to my ass and lay on him. And the ref would yell action. And I had in my head, he was just going to keep yelling action. The crowd was going to boo and I'd be fine. Screw you guys. <laughs> I, I, I got I got another fight in two weeks and I'm I'm gonna fulfill that obligation. So you're not gonna don't expect anything exciting here. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, every, everything fell apart. Pretty impressively so, fell apart. Wow. Well, yeah, the, mean, hang on. I let me say I like Guy Metzger a whole lot more now that he's actually made a statement that said Sean Salmon makes bad decisions. Because he's, man, he's he's right. There's there's, there's a lot of bad decisions there. But again, uh, Santiago. I mean, you talked earlier about our, your issues with Armando Garcia. He suspends you. Um, that uh, that must have been incredibly difficult to go through, especially for somebody that wanted to get back in there. It was the mo- It was the most one of the mo- one of the toughest experiences of my life. I'll say that it was it was so mentally challenging because I couldn't make sense of it. 
like I said, I could not understand why this guy was out to get me or why, or maybe not even out to get me, let's say, or he made a statement. Let's even say he, he flew off the handle and said, John had a seizure. He's done. Why he couldn't then watch the tape and walk back that statement. You know what? I was cage side. I was excited. Let's listen. Let's hear what the doctors say. He didn't say any of that. He just ran with the, the seizure, Sean had a seizure. He's suspended forever. He's never fighting. He hung on to that. And it made no sense to me. I mean, this is years of my life. Two years, I think. I, it was, I was one year. Out. It was one, okay, it was one, one year. One year. Yeah, it's one year. Yeah. You're right. One year. One year of my life, I can't do anything fight related, which that's what I built my life around. And I can't get answers. He won't take my calls. He won't respond to my emails until he finally does. And he's got this doctor that's cash only. The fuck out of here. <laughs> it, it, it just, I could not make sense of it. Why? He's just, he's a, he's a horrible human being. Yeah. That's all there is to it. You're, you're just a, if you can never admit you're wrong or you made a mistake or, Hey, I got too excited here. And yeah. Hey, let's, well, you know what? I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he had it. To me, it looked like he had a seizure. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Let's hear what the doctor is. He couldn't say that. He's so yeah. fucking arrogant. He had to hang on to the, I said what I said and I know I'm right. Fuck you. Yeah. Miserable yeah. human, miserable human being. Armando Garcia, where, where people were kind of coming into play was there's a professional boxing, Augie Sanchez. Dude, I used to love watching Augie fight, you know, obviously back in the day. He's got some great stuff on YouTube. He was 28 and three. And in his last fight, like literally 28 solid performances, he loses three fights in his last fight that he got knocked out in. He had a, a real bad kind of reaction to the knockout, and they refused his license after that. Um, what I think that Armando was trying to do was just yield his power and kind of you know, point it towards you, almost like a kingmaker. Like, I'll make you a king. Nope, you don't get to play anymore. And, you know, whether he was right or wrong, that's, I mean, that's neither, that not for me to decide. I'm just stating where I believe that he was coming from. Because he did do it to Augie Sanchez. And if anybody deserved another fight, Augie could certainly, you can make the argument that he could fall into that category. And, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and I get that. And if that's your stance, I'm okay with that. But then you have to explain that to me. You have to say, hey, this is where I'm coming from with this. He never did that. Like I said, he wouldn't take my phone calls, wouldn't respond to emails. It's yeah. If if, if he was trying to look out for people, I, I get it. I don't believe that was the case. Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you're coaching at Wolf Slayer Gym. You're, are you teaching wrestling? Yeah, yeah. They brought me out only because um, Congo was getting ready to fight uh, Cain Velasquez, and and they wanted some wrestling work. And okay. and Bisbing was fighting uh, Henderson. I would say that the wrestling in Europe, I would like to sit here and say that it has greatly improved, but I can't say that. I don't think it has improved since that. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I would agree with that. They're they're for sure a little bit behind in that department. But, How would you describe your experience with them? It was it was good, and again, this this was a situation where 
anything that went wrong was on me. I made a mistake. I should not have. I took a fight in the middle of that training camp, and it it kind of worked out where everybody went over to. I can't remember what UFC was going on then. It was there was a, a UFC somewhere. I want to say it was in Germany at the time. They all went over to Germany, and I flew back to the United States for a fight. And you, you again, flew back, you flew back June 6, two thousand nine. NAAFS. Alan Weikert. Was yeah. your opponent's name a Weikert? Yeah, Weikert. Yeah. I think I've heard it pronounced. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, that was again. Just I can't say no to a fight. Somebody calls and I'm in the UK and they want to f- me to fight in the United States. And okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll fly there and back. Just <laughs> like like Guy Metzger said, bad decision making skills sometimes. Well, this was in the middle of their camp and like, like Chicago, Michael Bisping, and they had explained to you that, uh, I mean, in this, I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here. So if I'm wrong, I really need you to correct me. Absolutely. If you get cut or you get injured and you can't get these guys ready, don't bother coming back. Am I correct? Oh, well, Yeah. That sounds right. I don't remember, and that might have gone. That might have gone through Ken more than it did me exactly. But yeah, I, I feel like those. That sounds true. Again, this is a long time ago, so my memory isn't yeah okay. isn't hundred percent accurate. So that's June second, two thousand nine. You lose by armbar to Alan Weaker. Yeah, and at that time, well, I shouldn't say at that time, but later on. On September 9th, 2009, so you're looking a few months afterward, you write a blog for UFC Junkie under the full-time fighter. Um, your, your blog was actually very well read, and you wrote in there on September 2nd, 2009, that you you gave Weakert the arm to tap you out because you didn't want to get injured? No, that... and. I a hundred percent. What I did was I, I quit. I was exhausted from traveling, cutting weight. And yeah, I, I was looking more forward to getting back to wolves Lair, And I, ju- I just didn't want to be there anymore. It's one of those situations. I, I was in the middle of this fight and I didn't want to fight anymore. I was just tired. It wasn't, and yeah, like I said, I, I should have proofread myself a little better. But my thing with, and this is part of my thing coming into this interview, I said, ask me anything you want, good or bad. When I did my column, I wrote just everything that was in my head. I wrote it the way I wrote it, and I sent it in. And it's really good. Were, it's, it was a very were, good, I used to read it. It was a very good column. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, and that's why they hired me, because I used to, I ran my, I had my own website, teamsalmon.com. I've been done with that for years, but I would write on there and somehow uh, Dan, uh, the guy who was, who owned, uh, it was UFC junkie at the time. It's MMA junkie. Now he somehow stumbled upon it and read some of them and called me and they sponsored me and said, we want you to write for us and, and ended up writing for him. And I said, okay, I'll write for you. I said, but you can't change my words. I said, I'm going to write the way I want to. I'm going to send it in. You can proofread for grammatical errors and punctuation errors, which I, I do, I make a lot of them, but I said, I want my words to be mine. And that was the deal. And I sent it in and 
didn't proofread it, didn't think I never, anything I wrote, I never once thought about how this might come across or how it would make me look. I'm a fighter. I'm not a fucking PR guy. I'm not, I'm not worried about that stuff. I'm worried about fighting and competing and, and Dan followed the rules. He proofread it for punctuation and grammatical errors and sent it in and it came across as Sean through the fight. And I can, I a hundred percent see why it came across that way. It sounds like that's what I was saying, but I knew what I was feeling at the time. So I didn't think of it that way. It never crossed my mind. Somebody would say, Oh, he threw a fight. No, he quit. And that's exactly what happened. And, 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 and dude, you hate to use those word, the word quit. It took but... me a long time to, to, you, you, reconcile you that in my yeah, own it, in my own mind, but that's exactly what happened. It, it's I, a hard word to use. It is, but if you watch the UFC at some point, like you'll get guys that are getting hammered. You know, they're they're in guard. They're getting punched. They will turn over and almost give up a rear naked choke to kind of get. What's out that of guy's it. name? Frank Trigg. He was big on that. He it's loved same, giving up his back. Yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. Like what he described, he put it in words. And, you know, it's kind of like you pulled the curtain back. But what you said was true. And it was like, dude, mentally you were done. Physically you were done. Mentally you checked out. Yeah. It was time to get out. You gave him an arm bar. And in September, shortly after that. I I always took that. I I always took that uh, explanation as just a little bit of insight into an athlete breaking. And it goes back as far as the sport goes back. In 1995, Black Belt Magazine uh, released an interview with Kimo Leopoldo, where he ex- uh, described the exact same thing in his fight with Hoyce. He got tired, he was exhausted, and he, he gave the arm as a way out. And uh, so I, I don't see any difference between that situation and yours. Yeah. It definitely isn't throwing a fight. That's, that's, the, that's the wrong terminology. It's tough. Well, it's, I, I don't want to, I'd love to say it's a gray area there, but it's not in my mind and the way I've reconciled it with myself. And it's hard. And it, it, it took me a lot of time to be able to look at myself and say, yeah, dude, you just quit. That That's all that you quit. And it's not a good thing. It's certainly not a good thing. It's not anything I'm proud of. I don't think anybody should be, it, but it's the truth. It's exactly what happened. And I'd love to, sit here and spin it for you and make myself sound better. But I can't, I can't because that's not what happened. I was tired. I was looking forward to getting back to, to Wolves letter to the UK and I quit. So enjoy. Let, let me kind of put a little more context on this. Our Lexus Arguello fought Aaron Pryor. Oh yeah. One of the greatest fights you can ever watch. HBO did a series, a Legendary Night series on it. And the post-fight press conference, Arguello says, I could have, like, beat him, but I would have to die. Like, he gets stopped in one of the fights, and he's like, could I have continued? Yes, but I would, I I, I could die. And I wasn't willing to die at this moment. So does that mean he fixed a fight? Does that mean he said... I don't, I don't want to lose my life. Those are the words he said. I don't want yeah. to lose my life. Yeah. Didn't want to pay so that like, price. So, so in essence, you're going to go, well, wait a minute. Or that's just a way I must have quit. No, no, dude. It just it was broke. time to go. He broke. Yes. Which is the fight game. That, that's, that, that's your, 
you know, your directive. So exactly. Bernie, Bernie Profato from the Ohio Athletic Commission, why don't you, did he calls you after that. What, what is that conversation like? He, he calls me in and he, he says, you need to come to this hearing. We're, we're having a commission, athletic commission hearing. You need to come to it. And he says right off the bat, he says, don't bring a lawyer. We don't like lawyers. <laughs> okay. Wow. It's that's, convenient. That's and Bernie and I had had a, had had a really good relationship up until then. You know, we weren't buddies, but hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Handshake. How are things? Well, you know, it was it was a cordial relationship. Having this hearing, you got to come to it. Don't bring a lawyer. We don't like lawyers. Made no sense to me. I, I, in hindsight, makes all the sense in the world because right when I walk through the door, the first person he introduces me to is an attorney general from Ohio. Ooh. And right away, I'm like, what the fuck? And we're the only ones in the room. You walk into a so buzzsaw. There, there, there's, yeah, there's like five people in the room. Bernie, an attorney, a guy I just met. who I don't think he was the attorney general for Ohio. He worked with the AG's office, I'm assuming. A couple other commission guys and myself. And they just started grilling me. Not like, you know, TV show interrogation, but they're like, you threw the fight. My wait, wait, wait. let me interject here. So all of those people that he are describing are of the same mindset, opposite of what Sean may or may not have done at this point, but all of them are not Sean's friend. Sean walked into a meeting with a whole team of people with an agenda and did not have a witness to the words coming out of his mouth. They told him not to bring a friend. Yeah, yes. or anybody who could say, whoa, whoa, guys, slow down. We need, if you have evidence here, let's Continuance, see we're going to bring yeah. an attorney with the tape. Yes. Yeah, well, and in hindsight, I found out later, they had spoken to the ref of the fight, uh, Mark Matheny, a good friend of mine, who had told them, I ref the fight, I don't believe Sean threw the fight. So anyway, so that the, keeps asking me, that, did you throw the fight, did you throw the fight? I'm like, no, look, guys, I write this blog. And my commitment to writing the blog comes from a place of writing because I love to write. I write yeah. all the time. Dude, it was a good, it was a good blog. Legit. My Legit commitment, blog. my yeah. commitment to it was I wasn't going to proofread anything, and I wasn't going to go back and try and rewrite things to make myself sound better or look better or anything. I'm just going to write from my head and my heart, and what comes out comes out. And Dan Stoop at MMA Junkie was going to proofread it for. Grammatical errors and punctuation errors. That's it. And I said, I didn't throw the fight. I just didn't want to be there anymore. And they didn't accept that. All they wanted to hear me say was, I threw it. I gambled on it. I told somebody else to place it. Well, the only thing they could find, the biggest bet they found, if I remember correctly, they said was for me to win. And it was only 200 bucks. So nobody made a lot of money on that fight. <laughs> But they wanted me to say I threw the fight. So they're finally, they're like, all right, you need go out into the hallway. We're going to discuss this. I'm in the hallway. I, I can't, you know, this is so many years ago now. I want to say I was out there a half hour, 45 minutes. They call me in and they say, we're suspending you for, I can't remember if it was a year or two, and fining you 2500 bucks. I wanted to flip over their tables and start yelling and cursing, but... Clearly, the decision had already been made. I and 
like I said, I knew I was getting my nuts kicked in right when they introduced me to a guy from the AG's office when I walked through the door. This isn't going to go well. This was October 14th, 2009. That's the date that that hearing took place. And um, where were you at three days later? Helsinki, Finland, fighting again. And I remember I was so proud boarding that plane. I think I might have said out loud, fuck Bernie Profato when I boarded that plane. Suspend me, motherfucker. You can't suspend me in Helsinki. I, w- I was. I felt and I did. I, and right or wrong, I, I felt like I was sticking it to him a little bit because I felt like they really stuck it to me. The way uh, he, made, I, he, I, he made a public statement in regards to. You know. Hang on, hang on. In in hindsight, there was no public statement to be made. I went into that meeting not for not for one second thinking I was going to be suspended or fined or in any sort of trouble. To me, that was to me, it was worded when he the way he called me and said he did say, "Don't bring a lawyer. We don't like lawyers." But he, the way he invited me to that meeting was a, "Hey, we need to hear your side. We need to hear an explanation. We need to hear you didn't." I thought I was going in there to set the record straight that I didn't throw a fight. Okay. We just needed to, that's all we needed to hear. Thank you for coming. I had no idea in a million years I was leaving that meeting fined and suspended. So it it wasn't a public statement I intentionally made. I didn't believe there was going to be one that needed to be made. Did the, uh, did the promoters in Helsinki fight festival promoters? Did they have any concerns about this? No, he said they can't. He said that's a, that sounds like an night. He, he even said he goes, I, I saw the fight. He goes, I don't believe you threw it. He said, so welcome back. He said, <laughs> he said their suspension nice. doesn't reach here. He didn't say it like a screw him. He just said it like the suspension doesn't. It's a, it's a suspension from the United States from Ohio. It's not. They can't touch me in Finland. He didn't say it like screw him. He he just said he goes, hey Sean. He goes, I don't believe you threw the fight. Was I it, watched it. Was, was this the promoter Marco Leeston or was it somebody else? No, uh, no, it was definitely not him. It was a very typical uh, Finnish name. Okay, okay, yeah, was it true? You beat Yuki Sasaki. Yeah, you beat Yuki Sasaki by decision. You know, before we wrap up, there's a couple other things I'd like to ask you about your career. Um, the Mayor's Cup in Russia, you, you fought Nikita uh, Kazov. Um, you fought in a four-man tournament there, Eric uh, K- Kabarik. You lost, you lost by guillotine to him, but you beat Nikita Karzarov, who, or Kazov, who was pretty tough. That was the, I've never beat a human being worse in my life. They had a, they had a dinner for us after the fights on the, at this beautiful restaurant in the arena. And this is the middle of nowhere. Kabarovsk, trying to say it the way the Russians do. Um, Way in the middle of nowhere, Siberia. They had this beautiful dinner for us afterwards. And this kid walks in, knees to the head on the ground, we're legal there. And he spent the whole fight on his back, getting kneed in the head and elbowed in the head. And his face looked so big when he came in. I, I felt disgusted with myself. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I can't believe I did that to somebody. I can't believe that dude just took it. I mean, he didn't, not an ounce of quit in that kid. Wow. Yeah, that was, I I love that place, though. Man, what a beautiful country. 
scary yeah, as hell. It really is. Oh my god! I enjoyed it. A, they took us out to a nightclub afterwards, and I was done. I, I mean, it, it's like three or four in the morning, and I'm ready to go back to the hotel. And I look at the uh, one of the girls they had with us for translating. Who they're? Oh my god! Their English was horrible because that was one place nobody spoke English over there. I was like, I'm going back to the hotel. She says, "Don't in her, in her broken English, don't cut through the park. They'll rob you." And I said, who's going to rob me? I'm, Jesus, look at me. And she pointed to the police officer standing on the corner with automatic rifles. She said, they're going to rob you. I said, okay. She goes, just stick to the street, walk past them. They won't, they won't say or do a thing. She said, you'll be fine, but don't cut through the park. Like, Fair enough. Good know. advice. Good advice. <laughs> Staying away from the park. Um, you fought Jeremy Horn, one of my favorite all-time all Favorite fighters, Jimmy Horn makes that top three. Yeah, great kid. But but by the look, by the time that fight rolled around, I was done. You checked My, out. I was, I took, I mean, you look at what did I have? 15, 16, 17, maybe 19 fights in a row I lost. I was just, I was drinking heavily. I just, going drinking heavily, going through a divorce. It was, again, bad decision making. I should have just, yeah. I should have just, Quit trying, went and got a regular job like I'm doing now and, and put that part of my life behind me, but I couldn't let it go. And it, and it's funny. I still can't let it go. Every time I hear about, you know, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see uh, Nicole Castillo, one of my great, great friends, does a lot, a lot of matchmaking. And she runs uh, Nicole, Nicole Castillo Management now. Anytime I see her say, short notice fight, I'm like, my eyes kind of light up. I'm like, man. <laughs> <laughs> And, but now it, it used to take like five to 10 minutes before I'd finally, yeah, what are you thinking? You got, now I'm down to like two seconds before I'm like, Jesus, dude, stop. It's not, it's over. It's done with. So, so just a brand new, Nicole Castillo is a uh, mainstay within the Midwest in regards to booking, particularly female fighters. Very good and well-respected matchmaker. I, I oh. like Nicole. Yes. Oh my God. It, she told me I sucked before anybody else would. She's like, you don't got it anymore. This is, she's one of the most honest, direct, and, and not mean. She didn't say, like I said, she's a great friend of mine. She said it like, Sean, you need to be done. You need Here, to be no. out of this. Let, let me, let me hit you a couple more. Tom DeBlass. Oh, great guy. Holy shit. He, I think he taught me a ton of jujitsu after he submitted me. Was that an amateur fight or a pro fight? Oh, it was a pro fight. I'd, I'd never fought amateur. It's listed as an amateur fight on uh, Tapology, probably just a clerical error. Let's on keep record. it. Let's keep it there so it stays off my record. Yeah. <laughs> Achilles, Achilles. Um, dude, you Laverne Clark. You lost by KO, dude. Laverne Clark hits like a Mack truck. That's an old school that, name. Dude, yeah. That would have been. Yeah. Uh, again, I was, I, I was checked out by then. Which is it's sad to say. I'm not. Please understand. I'm not proud saying that, but it it's true, and and I've made peace with that. Yeah, Anthony Ray, another super stud. Um, Todd Brown, future UFC veteran. Like you've got you've got mm -hmm. some legitimate names on on your record, man. I can't say no. Like I said, you. you I see. I can't. If somebody wants to fight or wrestle or compete in. 
in anything I care about. I mean, if you want to, I love basketball, but if you beat me in basketball, I don't care. I won't, you know, I'll give you my best. That's all I got. I, I just, I love to fight. I love to wrestle and I love wrestling. If I could do one thing the rest of my life, it'd be wrestling, but I, can't, I just can't say no to that. Okay. Here, let, let me throw some names at you. And, and Sean, I was at your UFC 68 Columbus, your, uh, the, was it Karma nightclub? I was at your, yeah. your party. There was almost like 20 UFC, like, fighters there it was one of the best times i've ever had man that was yeah, um, that was an amazing night that was a lot of for fun. sure let's talk about you you helped tommy Rollins train for the national olympic trials yeah as, well as much as anybody can help tommy i mean jesus that kid he's a stud he's a monster heavyweight who moves like he's 125 pounds and he's slick i, I thought sure he was going to be a, a world olympic champion but he made the national team a couple times, and he's a, he's a stud. Joey ran into Steve Moko. Steve Moko is the wrestling coach over at American Top Team over at Coconut oh, yeah. Creek. So he just he ran into the wrong guy. Um, Rex Holman, why don't you talk to us about him? There's not. I, I love Rex to death. I remember it was my senior year of high school, you know, before cell phones. Nobody had a cell phone then, and kitchen phone rang my dad answered it he hits mute he looks at me sean he goes it's rex holman it's rex holman shit and rex doesn't talk much and i don't talk much we're both extremely introverted people i mean it it takes a lot of work to get me to open up like this and we talked for maybe an hour and i loved everything about what he was saying as far as wrestling and and accomplishing goals and and moving forward in that direction and i still geez i'm sitting at my in my office the other day at work and i called him just i hadn't talked to him in maybe a month and i was like i I need to hear rex's i need to hear what rex has to say right now that's cool because he does he's still you know he just starts talking and it motivates the hell out of me not so much that i think i can fight again but just yeah, he just he's one of those guys he does everything the right way and he's so meticulous about it. It's I, I, I like that guy. I love that guy. Second, but what's close with your brother, Matt? Matt Salmon. I'm thinking you're thinking of Danny. Oh, Danny. My Danny. Brother. I apologize. Yes, Danny. Yeah. I, I Matt, I'm the oldest. Matt's in the middle, who mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's my brother. I love him to but, death. But Dan, Matt, Danny Matt, worked Matt, with me the most. Matt always defended you though. Oh, yeah. Matt's a great guy, but I thought you Danny worked with me day in and day out and sat in my corner. And yeah, Matt's always stuck up for me. He's my brother. I love him. And yeah, he's Joey. How did this interview come together? Why don't we? <laughs> that, that's why I drew okay. his name before I did this. Is, brother. This is part of a new segment we're trying out called Joey Almost Gets His Ass Kicked. Let oh, us know shoot. on the let, let us know I in the comment section what you think about this. We had a misunderstanding on Facebook where Sean Salmon posted a Sean Strickland quote that I strongly and disrespectfully disagreed with. But it was it looked like I was disrespecting Sean Salmon, not Sean Strickland. And I went to bed when I woke up in the morning. It reminded me of my drinking days. You wake up, you turn on your phone and you realize everyone you pissed off. So uh, one of Sean's brothers is looking to fight me and Sean himself just writes me something kind of cold as ice saying, if we were face to face, you know, you wouldn't be talking to me this way. And I said, oh, shit, I fucked up. 
So I backpedaled like Deion Sanders in 93. And I let him know that, that, hey, that not only would I not set out to disrespect you, you'd have to look a long way to find somebody who respects UFC vets more than me. In fact, I do this podcast. Will you please come on? Sean was a true gentleman and accepted my apology, which I did both privately and publicly, which I think is important. And uh, I'm really glad we got you on here because uh, I'm glad you got a great you. you got a great story, and I, and I wanted to hear it. I appreciate it, and yeah, I probably should have been more friendly with the. Oh no 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 no! Stupid. Your your response was fine until I explained myself, and then we were cool. Mm, absolutely, uh, yeah. We'll stay. Well, let's stay that way. We're good. Like, like you said at the end of our last message, you say if we run into each other in person, I'll greet you as a friend, and uh, you know, I say that's where we leave it. Yeah, Absolutely. let's talk about Danny. Let's talk about your your, your brother. Oh my God, no, he, he's done everything for me. Anything I ever asked, anytime I needed a, a training partner, wrestling, fighting, you know, he he was two time Ohio State placer, uh, wrestled for OU before he had to have a, a incredibly serious hip surgery that sort of sidelined his career. Um, but he still he'd come into the room any any day or time, anytime I had to travel. He was coming. Anybody, he he lined up everything, weight cutting, interviews, anybody, any paperwork I needed done for different commissions or promotions, he made sure I was on top of and, and had handled it. I mean, amazing, just incredible kid and never had more fun with anybody else. He's yeah. done a He's lot. He's your brother. He's yeah. your brother. Oh, man. And I, a lot of times after those fights, we'd start drinking and I'd, he'd do all kinds of dumb shit. Just to entertain me. It's funny. That's good. Sean yeah. Salmon, you're an absolute gentleman. Like I said, the, the pretext to you coming on here was there is absolutely nothing you can't ask me about. And um, your career is in story is incredibly unique. And it's things like that that make this podcast special because we get consistently guys like you that got fantastic stories to come and just be honest. So thank you. No problem. Thank you. I enjoyed this very much. Joey. Oh, you're muted. We got one more in the books. The method of getting this uh, interview was effective, but I'm not going to be repeating it. I'm not <laughs> trying to get I'm not trying to get my ass kicked by a bunch of UFC vets brothers. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate well, it. Buddy. All right. Joey. All right. Good. It's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, he had an interesting story. I'm glad he was willing to share it with us. Yeah. Um, we got a little thing going on. We got this guy, Ty Green, who's kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, he's come on like a wrecking ball. He's putting up some clips that we're doing. Um, he's taking on the producer role of the show. And, dude, he's doing a killer job for us. Absolutely. He's a great addition to the team, and we needed him. So, producer yeah. Ty, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joey, we got a couple things in the bag. I think we're trying to get lineup October for um, all UFC guys, all UFC one. We're going to do October or November. I'd like to do October to try to beat the UFC at their stuff, you know, at their right. release. Um, it'd be a nice little little segue in. But I know you've been lining up some guys. We got who in the books already? Art Jimerson is done. Zane Frazier and uh, Taylor Tooley. Who are we going to come through with? We got Jimerson. What do you think about Tuli and Frazier? What are the I odds? think both. I, 
Zane Frazier is a great interview. That's going to be good. It's going to be a, a full interview. I like he had a much longer career than people think. You know, he wasn't just UFC one and done. He fought King of the Cage. He fought a lot of shows. Yeah. He's going to be a good one. And then uh, Taylor Tooley, he was a one one shot guy, but we can get into his sumo career and his acting career afterwards. He he got hit pretty hard with COVID, but he's recovering. And he, he says he'll come on the show as soon as he feels a little better. Hopefully that's in time for uh, October. Excellent. Joey, dude, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this, I can sit here and say subscribe and share. But at the end of the day, this is what we need. We need like reviews or like five stars on Spotify, reviews on iTunes. And if you guys just comment on YouTube, anything, even if it's a timestamp, just comment. It helps us kind of get around these little algorithms that we're, we're struggling with. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.